on today's show, I'm going to be talking with Clotilde, and she is, well, a, a multi, uh, I, I guess, uh, instrumentalist, vocalist, musician, performance artist, creator, film director. She wears many hats, but today we're going to talk about a special hat. It's a musical collaboration called Madeline and Solomon which is a duo with Clotilde and Alexander Sada. And they've got an upcoming album and single coming out this month. So welcome to the show, Clotilde. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Oh my goodness, you have so many accomplishments. I feel like I have to include them all. Was, was that the most clumsy introduction you've ever heard? <laughs> no, it was perfect. <laughs> Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing you recently, and this was a collaboration you did with uh, Chris McCarthy. Yeah. And and you did this really interesting uh, collaboration, and you performed um, on the East Coast of the United States True. and and had very successful um, uh, small run that I hope you guys can also do in Paris sometime this year. But now... You know, just when I thought that was great, you come out with this. So, first of all, how how do you how do you create so much? Um, well, I don't know. I think it's just um, you know, ideas that come, and also maybe a question of timing because of of the pandemic. That you know, somehow the time has been pressed or compressed i don't know how you can you can explain it you know and um and so suddenly all there 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 has been like a few projects that that would have been maybe more um with more time in between each but then with the pandemic all of a sudden you know it was it was really important for me to to accomplish them and to bring them out because they were supposed to be out, you know, before. So I think that's that's how we have this um, kind of loads of things going on <laughs> at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're so grounded in the jazz world, but to call you jazz, it's just skimming the surface because you add such a unique touch with spoken word and improvisation and it just seems like every time you perform it's a special event yeah well uh thank you and and that's uh what i'm trying to that's very true i like to uh to mix all kind of uh, arts and um and, and uh, yeah it's it's very important for me to be into this interdisciplinary um process of creation well i'm gonna quote your facebook page you you mm -hmm. summed up madeline and solomon so well and you said that you are a minimalist and delicate duo tackling a humanist and rebellious repertoire hmm. yeah that's that's what journalists um wrote about us uh, with our first album, and um, and yeah, minimalist is really the the definition of our sound with uh, with Alexandre, and uh, and yes, we're really in, um, uh, we're really trying to uh, connect the repertoire we develop with um, 
with something meaning, meaningful and and uh, and anchored in the in the history of people and humanity and and uh, yes, rebellions and and how we can change the world somehow. Mm -hmm. Well, first, being aware of you through pieces of a song, your collaboration with Chris McCarthy. Yeah. Which I thought got a little more experimental, a little more avant-garde. It yeah. was interesting to listen to a woman's journey, which was about mm -hmm. six years ago, which yeah. was a Madeline and Solomon album you put out. And yeah. it was quite a contrast because a woman's journey seemed much more traditional, like you were doing jazz standards. True. That's very true because it was... Um, Actually, this album has been created because of a commission from the Melbourne Recital Centre, so in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, they invited me to uh, propose a repertoire uh, on the theme of the American song songbook and the great American songbook. And um, when they asked me that, I thought, okay, I don't want to do a tribute to Cole Porter or, um, you know, this kind of of, uh, of tributes that, that Pope at the Lodge. I wanted something, I don't know, like another door, you know, to get into the American Songbook. And um, and at that time, I was working on, on feminine and, and women, and we talked about it uh, last time, um, and so I was really in, into all of this, and and I realized how much uh, the feminine cause and, and battle, the feminist battle, was very important in the United States, and um, and how there has been loads of women singer who raised the voice uh, through the history to. Uh, I mean, they used their singing voice to raise their voice as a, a, a citizen of the world. And, uh, and so I thought it would be a nice way to go through this great American songbook through the lens or through the eyes of, of this um, great female kind of protest singers. So that, that, was, uh, that was it. That, that's, what it's called, that's why it's called a, a women journey. And um, so, yes, it's much much more traditional uh, singing thing i would say mm -hmm. well it seems accessible like for a lot of people where pieces of a song w would seem a little more avant-garde a woman's yeah. journey at least on the surface seemed more accessible but also you know it seems like just also a love of these great vocalists like nina simone you know, and um, who who else did you um, do homage to? Like, did you do some songs by, you know, some other classic American singers? Yeah, we we uh, we quote um, Janis Joplin and uh, uh, Mimi Farinia, who's the 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 sister of Joan Baez. Um, we did um, Minnie Riperton. We did. Uh, um, Billy Holiday. We mm -hmm. we covered also um, um, a corporate song actually, but but with the words written in French by Josephine Becker. So mm -hmm. yeah, 
Yeah, loaded. And uh, we we um we also did this uh, beautiful song by um. Oh, I have a blank suddenly. Um, from oh, what's her name again? She she was um she has what? been one of the leader of the Black Panther at some point, and she was also singer and songwriter, and um and recovered one other song. Um, oh, let me let let me find it again. Was it was it Angela Davis? It's not Angela Davis, but um, ha, uh, oh, let me check. <laughs> you know, sometimes the 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 things that they just go out of your mind. Your mind. Um, let me double check. It's the end okay. of silence. Is is the name of the song, and it's also the name of the. Um, of, of her album. Um, okay. You did that well, as a medley with Mercedes Benz by exactly, Janice Joplin. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Nice. Uh, yes. One of my favorites was you did a, a very moving interpretation of At 17, uh, the Janice Ian song. Janice Ian, exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for. A compliment, by the way, but uh, yes, I, I I love this song. It's very moving, also. Well, when you do something like this, mm -hmm. and and you want to find so, some of the the roots of feminism in some of these songs, because especially when you look at some songs that were recorded, you know, before the nineteen sixties, you mm -hmm. know, before the nineteen fifties, when you know the official you know feminist movement was a little more structured mm -hmm. how how do you think these songs represented you know a personal feminism meaning that this wasn't part of a group but it seems like a lot of these women singing just the fact that they had these careers what was you know a feminist you know uh stance in its own way yeah, true, true. I do totally agree. I think really these women at some point of their of their career, they just realize how how powerful their um, songs could be and how uh, inspirational and 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 could be like maybe the best weapons somehow and to to yes to to try to change the world in in terms of uh, uh women's rights but also uh black black rights and and uh so yeah i i just refound the, the name of of elaine brown is, is the woman from end of silence and um elaine brown for example she's really like really beautiful uh album of songs that was for, for, the, for the Black Panther party and um, and yeah it was I think that at some point they all realized that they had a real great power in the voice and in the fact that they were listened by a lot of people when they were singing so and also maybe music is um is also a way to convey words that is really moving and, and maybe go directly to the to the art to the heart and to the soul and and maybe it makes their words um more deep somehow i don't know if i'm clear well another common thread with all those songs that 
there's a lot of sadness. These are a lot of heartfelt but very melancholy ballads. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And and I think also the the fact that we uh, play them in this very minimalistic way, maybe it emphasizes the um, uh, this sense of melancholy and sadness. I suppose. Mm -hmm. well, well, I guess music is one way to express that. Do you think that part is is part of? You know, the journey of, of women in particular, just a lot of, maybe not a, a lot of outlets to to express sadness. You know, having to keep a happy face for your family, for your children. Do you think women have not had as many outlets, you know, to fully express themselves? Well, I don't know. I don't know because... Uh... I mean, when I sometimes I work with children and and we work about um, what's the difference uh, of attitude that that society expects from from men and women or or young men and, and young women, and very often they come up with the fact that uh, that boys are not allowed to cry um, in public. I mean, compared to women, so to girls, so. So I don't know. I, I don't know if if um, if it's something more feminine to have, or if if women have less uh, opportunities to express their sadness, if they have to to keep the the game face on more. I I don't know. Um, but but I think that as you said, music is definitely uh, a great way to express this feeling and. And also, I think that when when a songwriter is 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 writing a song about problems in the world or concerns about the lives, um, then sad or melancholical melodies um, come come up very easily. I think. Well, for you as a as an artist, as a performer. Mm -hmm. What's different when you're singing a sad song? Do you feel that it cleanses your soul a little bit? Yeah, uh, yes. Plus, I, I'm trying to really connect with the soul of the song, too. I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, to get uh, in a kind of a trance somehow, but but not not the dancing trance, the trance, uh, trance more like, as if the, the song was really uh, going through my whole body and my whole soul and, and, and cleansing it a kind of a way. Um, so I, I am the feeling totally. There's no, I'm not, I'm not interpreting it in a way of I would be something different or some, you know, from, from the song. I, I tried to be the song, to be this feeling. So, so that it's totally genuine. It's totally, uh, it's and and then it can really, I hope, move the audience. Mm -hmm. That's uh, what I'm trying to do. <laughs> do you think music is cathartic? Does it have the power to heal? Oh yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do believe it. And uh, and and not only on um, 
intellect tool or, or a sentimental way, but, but also on a physical way, just because, you know, vibrations, the sound is, is, a, is a vibration and, and our bones resonate with the sound. So, yes, it is deeply healing, deeply healing. Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on to the new single and album, I just yeah. want to touch on your recent project with Chris McCarthy. Yeah. Which was pieces of a song. And part of the thread I see in your work, uh, this piece was inspired by a very, you know, uh, rare woman from the beat poetry yeah. generation. And her name was Diane De Parma. Yeah. And what was really interesting since I've been listening to that and talking to Chris about this is mm-hmm. why is it? we didn't hear about the women from the beat generation, the beat poets. You always think of all the men, but it seems like you've really, you're shining a light on someone who was overlooked. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's sad, but I I suppose it's, it's the sixties and uh, uh, extremely um, uh, masculine domin- dominated world <laughs> somehow and it's it's even more unfair because uh diane de prima she actually uh created the first um uh, book uh, ed- edition to to print the the first poets from from uh, ginsburg and and all these guys you know so she was not only a great poetess, but she also helped to uh, to promote them and and to yeah to uh, to have the words uh, spread out. So yeah, it's unfair. It's really unfair. And she's not the only one. There actually yeah there, there was quite a bunch of of uh, women poets at that time too. I know during your performance there was actually a recording of Diane reciting mm-hmm. her poetry what was that like to actually hear her voice performing well you know i i love it i love her voice um and it's changing uh through age because she's been giving a reading of her poems like till till uh till late i mean and uh, so it, it's very interesting to hear her voice when she was in her early uh, 30s and then when she was probably 50 or 60s and and the tone of the voice change and but it's very interesting also because uh, she's adding some anecdotes and she's also explaining the process of her writing and and um and very often she's she's referring to music it's very interesting she's very often saying like oh this poem should be uh, song or or uh, oh that would be perfect as a song it's it's very interesting it's very interesting too and there's a lot of of these uh, uh, readings public readings on internet actually so it's very easy to hear her and and I think it's really interesting how do you think her perspective was different than the male poets of her generation well, I think that um, 
I, I think the difference is the one that exists still now. Uh, as I, I think she was really concerned by uh, how can you cope with being a woman, a mother, and an artist, and and how can you make a living? How can you protect your children? And and how do you share your time with uh, taking care of the family and 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 producing your arts? So, to me, this is the big difference. This is the big difference. Mm -hmm. Well, so much of this happened before you were even born. And even, you know, a woman's journey, you know, some of those singers, Billie Holiday, Nina mm -hmm. Simone, Janis Joplin. Why do you think, you know, in 2022, you have mm -hmm. such an affinity for these women from another generation? Why do they inspire you today well just as you as you said they are inspiring and they somehow they paved the the way they paved the roads for us to uh, uh, to be who we are now as women as artists uh, and try to to make it a better road for the next generation of, of women too so it's yeah it's kind of um, something like a family thing, you know, like um, uh, a transmission between these great women who started the fight and and us, and then the next generation after after us, after me, after us. Do you think, in your own way, you're helping preserve the legacy of these female artists? Well, I'm trying to. I'm trying to because we have to somehow. They, you know, it's so easy to uh, to disappear in in the um, in the, the anonymous of, of history. And um, well, now now because we're talking more about uh, the great women artists or the great women's the great scientists, the female scientists, etc. Yeah, these women they come up back on the surface, but uh, but I think we still have to uh, to keep them alive, and it's so inspiring, and it's important for 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 young women to have role models too, and see that yeah, for example, Diane de Prima, she she struggled at some time with being a woman and being an artist, and and she made it. She. It's it's interesting to read her testimony about it, and it's very inspiring, and 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 it can help, I suppose, other women, other artist women, to um, to find their way in in, in these difficulties or difficult times, you know. Mm -hmm. All right, one one last question about the beat generation mm -hmm. and the the beat poets. You know, I, I see it from from. The perspective of the United States, you know mm -hmm. what, what was going on here. Uh, what what was the French equivalent of that time? Say the late fifties, early sixties. You know when this movement was going on in the United yeah. States. Uh, what was the the French equivalent? Well, I think we could say La Nouvelle Vague in in the movies. You know, I think you you I think you say La Nouvelle Vague no in in English. 
like the um, new wave the new the wave, new wave. Like, exactly exactly mm -hmm. the new vaga um so when we're talking about Truffaut and the exactly new, exactly the new breed of filmmakers because film the yeah. french have always had a special relationship with movies true true and and i think it it's a kind of equivalent Truffaut, godard it's different but to me it's um yeah it's it's what was happening here in france because i know in the united states I'm sure the the beat poets and, and artists of the time, you know, they were influenced by French writers, but especially French philosophers, you know, and that's had such an influence on not just, uh, you know, writing, but just culture and, and thought. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think at that time there, there was a, um, a big connection among the uh, intellectuals between the states and, and France and Europe, I would say. And, and I think they influenced each other, like uh, both side of the Atlantic, you know, and, and probably that's, that's what makes this period of time very interesting in terms of creativity. I it think. seems like those French filmmakers of the time, they mm -hmm. like that American ideal of you know, the blue Levi jeans and the white T-shirt and Marlon uh -huh. Brando and James exactly. Dean. Do you think that was romanticized? Probably. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, I don't know if it was romanticized, but, but definitely they liked it. And they also liked the jazz music and... Yeah, I think there was a, a lot of inspiration from both sides of the Atlantic, you know. Mm hmm well well that brings us to 2022 yeah and, and what's currently inspiring you now you have a new single with an interesting name you told me how to say it so i'm going to try but <laughs> if you need to correct me feel free but it's ma fatch le yeah ma fatch le yeah and but it's I, from I, I, yeah, right sorry. and it's and it's from an upcoming album called eastern spring Exactly, exactly. It's it's um it's an Egyptian song. So with Madeline Solomon, we always um, I mean, so far we we like to cover songs and and put them our own way. So for this album, we we worked on the uh, on the repertoire from the sixties and seventies. So again, um, in the Mediterranean uh, countries because it's a very interesting period of time for these uh, countries. It was so um, um, uh, libertar libertarian. Can you say that? It was. It was a lot of uh, freedom and 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 it was a yeah. It was kind of a revolution somehow. And and we know. I mean, we, we very often have in mind that um, the Western countries got inspired by the Eastern countries in terms of music, you know. Um, but we forget that at the same period of time, these countries were also uh, looking at what was happening in terms of music in the Western countries and especially the psychedelic um the psychedelic rock and, and and pop music and folk and and 
And this somehow uh, added touches of, of this Western music into their own traditional songs and music. And it created a very interesting uh, uh, fusion to music that was really the expression of this uh, uh, freedom and uh, emancipation. So yeah, that's the repertoire we're exploring with with this album. And let me try it again, Ma Fashle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, this I'm, is. I'm not. I'm not Arabic, so I, I probably I would pronounce it not 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 better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> and I'm gonna spell it for people. So it's M A F A T S H L E. A H Mafash Le, but isn't this a cover of uh, of another song? Uh, has this been recorded before by another artist? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the name of the song, but but you know it's uh it's the tradit tra it's the translation. I mean, transcription in uh, in Latin alphabet of uh, Arabic name. So it's you know it's not exactly it. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. So, is, what kind of song is it? Is it a, a love song? Is it a political song? It's a kind of a love song. It's um, it's it's funny. It's the story of a woman waiting for for a lover in a very busy city, and uh, and they were supposed to meet, and apparently the the person is late, and um. And she's starting to uh, to get kind of super stressed and paranoid and 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 you know kind of an uh, an Alice in Wonderland horror uh, uh, film, you know, as if uh, the, the 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 scenery of the city that was so busy but in a nice way and so um, uh, we can imagine it's it's hot. We're in Egypt, you know, and and people are out. In their fancy clothes because it's that moment of time where there was a lot of freedom you know and um, and people are happy and she's at the beginning she's super cool and 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 the more the time passed she, uh, she she's getting super super anxious and she has the feeling that people stare at her and uh, and that everything is getting super um, harmful somehow <laughs> mm -hmm. well what drew you to the song what uh, what what drew us oh yeah what drew you why, why did you pick this especially as the lead song from the album well um we really had a crash on uh, a crush on on the music that's um Usually that's what we do. We, you know, when we started to uh, select the the songs for this repertoire, we started like with probably two hundred songs, and to end up with twelve or thirteen. So, um, so we 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 do like this where we go, we we search, we put all the songs we we think could work. And then we stream, we, we, we reduce the number of, of songs. Okay, no, no, no. And when we have a reduced list, uh, we start trying to play them our own way and, and see if we can find a way to play them 
that would be interesting because the idea is not to cover them uh, strictly. It's to uh, reread the songs with our um, eyes and our our um, um, yeah emotions and way of playing music. So that's that's also the way we. We choose because sometimes we love certain songs, but we we don't find a very interesting way to to play them. So we just say, okay, we won't do this one. <laughs> and and Mafutsli, it was really um one that 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 yeah the the, the arrangements came up super easily to us. Did you want to make a statement on women's rights in Egypt or even? you know, the Middle East in general? Um, you mean with the album? Well, yeah, I, you know, because this first song, it's about, you know, the point of view of a woman in Egypt starts out happy, then kind of, uh, you know, her Getting attitude seems up. to not, <laughs> not as happy. Was this a subtle yeah. way of kind of talking about the plight of, you know, a woman maybe who doesn't have the same rights that you have? Well, uh, that's the thing. At that time, in these countries, women were super free. And, and that's why mm -hmm. we chose this period of time. It's because it was really like nothing at all, as, as we can see, uh, uh, as, as what, uh, what's happening now in, in those countries. And that's very interesting, too, because these countries were really like... Um, model kind of in terms of, of uh, uh, freedom, of freedom of rights, freedom of speech, of uh, uh, equality, and yeah, and women's rights, you know? And well, what are your thoughts on the, the, the reversal of rights? Some say that that's even happening now, you know, that whole idea, especially, um, you know, in, in the 70s, you know, mm -hmm. thinking of Egypt when, you know, I think this song didn't originally come out in the late 70s, mm -hmm. 77. And to think, you yeah. know, certain countries where maybe women could drive and there was a certain freedom. And then mm -hmm. to see those rights reversed where suddenly women couldn't legally drive, you know, decisions had to be made through their husbands. And do you, do you think that, you know, all these years later, decades later, do you think we're in danger of, of women's rights being reversed in certain countries? Well, I do think so. And to me, it's, and to us, I would say it was also the point to kind of saying, okay, look what happened in the history, you know? And, and you know, what, you know, what, what, what we saw happening in, in the States with, uh, recently with the with the laws on on the abortion rights you know so things are changing a lot super fast and it's everywhere so and and in uh, afghanistan where the, the little girl they can't go to school anymore and or they can't do sports so yes we i mean it's a fragile it's a fr very fragile equilibrium that can disappear very fast and we have to be aware of it and we have to protect this freedom and and this and, and this emancipation so for the new album eastern spring 
what would you say is the overall theme? Um, it's it's really um, it's really just just a, a journey through through this uh, through this culture, which are very different because it's not the same in Turkey and Lebanon and and Egypt and Morocco or or Iran. Uh, they're different countries. They don't speak the same languages necessarily, but though they they have in common this kind of golden age um, that was in the 60s and 70s and that now has really reduced or, or disappeared in some cases. And... Um, and it's very interesting because in their music, there's also a lot in, in, in common. Like we can feel that there is a real Mediterranean culture. Even if these countries are different, there's a Mediterranean culture really that we can feel um, in their music. So it's also that to, um, yeah, it's kind of a journey through, 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 through these uh, cultures. And 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 somehow a way to to have people maybe discover more, or, or I would be happy that people want to to explore this music after they listen to us, and um, and and then maybe think think about about rights, human rights, and and civil rights, and 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 how it's important to protect them, and and how it's fragile. Do you think it's a challenging time to explore culture? Because on the one hand, you know, as an artist, you just seek influence and you want to see, you know, beauty in other cultures and traditions mm -hmm. in other cultures. And that's always been seen as such, you know, a good thing. We want to be exposed to that. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we also live in an era where people are so quick to, you know, accuse people of cultural appropriation when in True. reality, so much of that is just, you know, an appreciation. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's that whole thing of, well, if we stop appreciating that, then there's invisibility. Yeah, that's that's very true. That That's um, that's something where I think it's um, it's a tiny line and and we have to be aware because. Yeah, it, there's a tiny line between uh, appreciation and appropriation just as you said and uh, and it's important to uh, to appreciate because just as you said otherwise uh, sometimes things can just yeah get forgotten you know if if we don't uh, put them back out so um, um, yes it's uh, but though I think the difference between appreciation and appropriation is more in terms of uh, respect for the culture and for uh, for the people who own the rights, for example, for for the musics and um, and yeah, I think to me this is the main difference. It's uh, are are you are you um, uh, covering a song, pretending it's yours? <laughs> you know, and because mm -hmm. it's a traditional one, and you just put your name on, or 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 are you uh, 
referring to to the fact that it's a traditional one or to the people who wrote them first so that people can then explore and dig and learn you know well, on the album do you write a lot of liner notes do you write uh, like for each song what inspired you to record it no but we 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 put the um, the lyrics no i don't we don't really write why um maybe we should i don't know I think it's interesting also to let people make their own mind, you know, and not and not uh, explain too much because then maybe it will um, somehow influence their own thoughts. Like keep some mystique and let the yeah. audience fill in their own blanks and use their own imagination. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that because in this day and age with the internet. Maybe people talk too much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But there's so so many information, so, so much information everywhere that, you know, yeah, it's interesting also just to to listen to a song and just get moved. And that's it. Do you think anything should be off limits to an artist? Um, what do you mean by off limits? Oh, subject matter. I don't know. It's kind of a gray area. Hmm. No. Because I, well, because I think, I think in this day and age, I think when people self suppress themselves, it's through fear of offending someone. Mm -hmm. Do you think as an artist, you need to be overly concerned? Because like you're saying, a lot of it is how someone interprets something and how, you know, they add their experience to it. Do you think we're mm -hmm. overly cautious now of offending people so then we we don't fully express ourselves as artists? Uh, maybe. I, I think it may happen. That's very true. But, um, but is it um, too much? I don't know, because I think it's interesting also to uh, to have in mind that um, we can offend people. Again, it's a question of equilibrium. It's uh, to me, it's it's very subtle details that that we mix that will mix the difference. And and um, and yeah, um, and and maybe one artist can talk about a subject and be super off offending because the way the artist is talking about the subject is really yeah offending in the way and um, and you can have the same subject uh talked by another artist and then it won't be offending you know so i think it's really a question of how and again respect humility probably i think and uh being genuine and yeah, and respectful, I think, to trying to uh, not talk about things that you don't really know, um, do researches, yeah, try to understand. Because it seems like any artist who strives to create something meaningful, mm -hmm. they're going to offend a few people. Doesn't matter who you are, could, you could be Victor Hugo. 
<laughs> and, and and write a novel to you know uphold people, and people mm -hmm. will find offense. So it just seems like modern people who are so second guessing themselves, they're not putting out very potent work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel that there's a, there is a lot of uh, artistical works that are very. Um, uh, Creative and and revolutionary in a way. I have this feeling. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling that it's coming back plus somehow, and uh, kind of a punk attitude. Like I, I don't care about what people may think. I will. I will do what I want. So I don't know. But you're right. I mean, it's it's a principle of. I mean, when you're extreme. On a subject, of course, you will offend people. That's just the principle of the thing. Well, to look back to you know the the beat generation, you know, mm -hmm. which you've been exploring, is you know back in you know the fifties, the post-war fifties, and mm -hmm. the beatnik movement. You know, the so-called beatniks, whoever mm -hmm. you know came up with that name. But you know, now we take that for granted. Okay, these are you know the intellectuals and the artists. But at, during their time, I think a lot of them were saying, oh, who are these pot smoking hippies? And oh no, you know, they're going to influence the youth and you mm -hmm. know, there'll, there'll be chaos and pandemonium, you know? Mm -hmm. so, so, so much of it is, you know, a generation or two later, today's mm -hmm. rebels are, you know, the establishment in a few generations. True, true. Well, I think it's, um... It's all also the rules you work. You were talking about Victor Hugo. I I used to say I love I love this quote of him. Um, he used to say um, humans are useful for humanity only the first half are the lives because the second half of the life they spend it to uh, to uh, how do you say to 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 protect to, um, yes, to protect the IDEs uh, that were revolutionaries during their first half of the life, as they are the truth during the second part of the life. I don't know if it's, it's, it's clear. <laughs> you see, yeah. it's like a, yeah, the, the thing that you were thinking were a revolution or in your thoughts, and you were, you were considering yourself as a revolution, Person, revolutionary person during the first half of your life, then the same mm -hmm. idea suddenly the second part of your life they just became the truth for you. They just become the truth for you, and so you're not in, into a, a revolutionary process anymore. And um, and I think that's that's humanity, and 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 that's mm -hmm. and that's why Victor Hugo says that human people are useful to humanity only the first part of the life when when they trying to have new ideas and revolutionary ideas and and they are not considering what they think as the truth, which happens after. Well, when you're a young adult, you want to test everything. Everything you've been told, you, you you suddenly say, wait, is that the truth? Maybe it's not. Mm -hmm. and, and that seems to be a healthy thing in people who don't question. 
and go through life just accepting everything, mm -hmm. it seems like they live a pretty boring life. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we say that um, uh, bien heureux, les innocents, when you don't know things, you can consider that um, you're missing something. Well, you, you get to seem to have the best of both worlds. You get a lot of freedom in your art and expressing yourself in different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I'd say you're successful, but you're not quite the establishment because it mm -hmm. seems like if you become part of the establishment, not that you have to sell out, but suddenly you have to think of a lot more things like, oh, I need a commercial hit. I, you know, I can't be as experimental anymore. Or, oh, this person is financing my project. I, I can't offend their political party. You know, there's mm. so many other things once you're in the establishment that you don't realize, wow, I had a lot more freedom when I was just doing my own thing over here. That's very true. That's very true. And that's why I'm I'm, I'm really fighting to keep the control of, of my productions, you know? And it's it it's it means that it's a lot of work for me on top of, of the creative side. But uh, but it's it's the price for this freedom that is for me so precious, you know, because I can do whatever I want. I don't have to justify myself. <laughs> well, I don't know what it's like there, there in France, but do you think the government supports the art? Are there lots of patrons of the art? You know, is, is there just something where you can, uh, you know, finance an artistic life without selling out? Um, yeah, uh, yes and no. I mean, yes, we were protected by the government because there's less this... Um, um, I mean, in the States, people are really inclined to, uh, to, to be Patreon for arts and, and, uh, uh, I mean, in, individually or, or, or privately, it's not really the case. It's not, yeah, it's not an habit in, in, in France. So it's more the state that protects the arts. Um, and yes, we can survive. I mean, we can survive. Of course, even if we are independent artists or experimental ones, but uh, but I I think it's the same with in 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 any country in the world. Like um, it's just a choice of, of uh, a choice of life. Then you know, you won't mm -hmm. have the big house and the big car and the holidays by the beach. And but I mean, I don't I don't need this stuff. You know. Mm hmm. Well, it's not that you haven't had, you know, critical acclaim by the mainstream. I know on A Woman's Journey, that album got a lot of attention from top jazz magazines and critics and reviewers. So you, you've had your flirtation with the mainstream. <laughs> yes, we did. We, we got loads of reviews. That's very true. That's very true. What did that feel like to have such official acknowledgement? Well, it's it's always cool. I mean, it's um, because when we create something, it's 
we deeply expect that that it will move some people and especially the the critics we got were very very moving because i mean people the journalists they didn't really talk about like they didn't say oh this is beautifully sang or beautifully played it, it was not uh, technical critics i would say but but they would they were more emphasize on on what they felt while listening to the album and and they express how the album moved them so it it was really moving in return you know um so yeah that that, that was kind it's it's really nice it seems like you have to compartmentalize yourself since you have all these collaborations like when you did madeline and solomon some people still know you as Clotilde, mm -hmm. and, and it's almost like does having a different name for a different project give you freedom to express another side of yourself? Yes, that's true. And also because when we started this uh, collaboration with Alexandre, this duo, uh, we really wanted to, um, yes, to identify this duo as as one you know and uh, that would be different from our other projects and that would have a certain sound so that's why we we chose an, a band name because we really wanted it to be a band you know and where did you come up with that name well uh it's actually our second names <laughs> So my second name is Madeleine and his second name is Salomon. And, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, and we were looking for a band name and at that time we were touring a lot um, in Asia. And we were, no, we were doing a big tour in China actually. And so we were very often at the borders and showing out our passports. And I think it's, that's how it happened, like maybe one of us just look at the passports and, and say, oh, Madeleine, Salomon. And it was funny because they are Bible's names, you know, somehow. And, and we thought, oh, that sounds good. And Madeleine is also like an old, very nice name in, in France. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, we well, isn't it the, na the name of a children's book? Oh, it sounds like it, you think? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a U.S. thing. And, well, I'll, I'll just send you a link and you can see. I think it's a very popular uh, children's book, Madeline. Oh, really? Oh, nice. But I mean... maybe it's Americans' concept of Paris. and we'll <laughs> maybe. maybe how we how we romanticize France and especially Paris. Well... I, I want to make sure I've been pronouncing his name correctly. So, uh, your musical partner is it Alexander, Alexandra, Alexandre? Yeah, Alexandre. Alexandre. Yes, so Alexandre. Uh huh. Perfect. I love that that D R E at the end, Alexandre. Not, yes. Not Alex not quite pronouncing it all. Yes, Alexandre. <laughs> And his last name, is it Sada? Sada, exactly. With a double A, Sada. I like that. 
it's it's interesting. I was listening to um, some of your previous music, and, and actually, I found something that is more recent: a workshop at uh, Conservatoire de Set. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where we went preparing preparing the um, um, this album, Eastern Spring. That was just before recording it. So we uh, we did a creative residency at the Conservatoire de Set. So it's the music conservatory um, in Set, which is a, a city in the south of France. And uh, and so it, part of the creative residency was also to to give workshops to uh, to the singers, to the students there. I like the idea of a workshop and a residency. What yeah. do you think those students got out of that? Because you've, you know, you're a working professional artist. You know, you've you've recorded, performed. Like, what do they ask you? What do you think they want to get out of it when you're part of that residency? Uh, well, I think it's very interesting for them to see how we work and. Um... Yeah, to see the process, to see that we uh, are vulnerable. You know what I mean? Like when, when we're working, it, sometimes it's not pretty because we're we're <laughs> searching, and <laughs> and it's very important because when when you're a student, I think uh, somehow it it could be easy to to believe that oh, those people who who put out music, they it's perfect right away but it's not it's not it's it's um it's practice it's uh rehearsal time it's it's uh, and during this time it's exploration it's uh research and during these times it's, sometimes it's not pretty so it's very often not perfect and um and that's part of the process so i think that's interesting for the student too to see that. And also then, because we did a little concert at, at the end of the, the residency and, and then to see the results, that's very interesting, I think. Well, do you think a lot of people study the arts because they think it's fun and then they realize how much work it is? I do believe so. <laughs> I have loads of students who start and this, they're like, oh, that's so cool. And and we rehearse all together and we're together all the time with their friends and we're a band and that's so cool. And then I'm like, okay, you'll see. Life is going to be different. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I always wonder, there's a lot of artistic basics you can learn, but how much can you actually learn in school? And how much do you have to teach yourself? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't, hard to answer. I don't know how much, but uh, it's very important to have both. That's very true. I mean, school or a master, but to learn from someone is very important, I think. And, and to learn by yourself is also crucial. So I think really you need both. Because there's no substitute for just performing and getting all that that practice of performing in front of an audience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Performance is, is, uh, 
is a big thing. I mean, for me, for example, I really, really know my lyrics after two or three performances. And no matter how many rehearsals I could have done before, I, my lyrics will be really, really into my head and my body, like forever, after a few, a few performances. It's very funny. It's not the same memory that happens when you're on stage in front of an audience. Well, I still picture the Edith Piaf movie and seeing mm -hmm. her you know, on the street corner singing and people throwing her coins. I guess she was she was an early busker. Mm -hmm. but, but for modern people, young people, I think it'd be hard for most of them to put themselves in that situation, to have that immediate feedback or just disinterest. You know, the people walking by you, you know, people looking at you with scorn isn't a big part of becoming a musician is just building that resilience and just kind of toughening up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, yeah, it's very important. And, and I think it's a, it's a very, very good school uh, to play in bars or in the street when you're young. It's a very good school because you have to keep your focus and your <clears throat> concentration, whatever is happening around you. You also have to capture the audience attention and when it's super loud or you know or people are eating or drinking or just passing by so i think it's a very very good school probably the best <laughs> did you like the the edith piaf movie with um marion cotillard uh yeah 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 i really enjoyed it it was a good one and, uh, how do you say Marion Cotillard? Marion Cotillard. Okay, I'm not too far off. So, what, no, you're, good. you're good. Thank, thank you. And, and do you say Edith Piaf? Edith Piaf. Edith Piaf. Yeah. Very good. So that kind of romanticized the tortured artist. And you know, it's, it's a movie, so maybe they played certain things up. Who knows? But why are we so attracted to the tragic artist um sorry i didn't get the last sentence oh why are we so attracted to the tragic artist you know someone with tragedy yeah. or do yeah. you think do you think we need to have so much tragedy in our life to create such meaningful art um that, that's that's a very good question i mean um do we need tragedies to create? Do creation uh, um, raise from tragedies and, and sadness? I think it depends on the artist. I think some artists can create out of joy. And, uh, but that's very true that um, probably the um, uncomfortability somehow, I would say more uncomfortability of life uh, can give you the impulse to to pick up what you have to say and 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 to to do it through an, an artistic way. Can it be singing or dancing or painting? Uh, so yeah, I think. And then 
why are we attracted? I don't know. We call it in, in literacy, in literature, I don't know if you use the same term in, in English. We call them the anti-hero, the anti-hero. The anti-hero, uh, yes, we use that. Yeah, yeah. So it's this, this, uh, this, this figure of, of someone, yeah, who's, who's not succeeding, but, but is appealing, <laughs> this character. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, you really hit on something, because I think we found out that perfect heroes are kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. But, but maybe, but it's so, but it's so far the other way now that now the defining characteristic of so many heroes is that he's so troubled. Yeah. Or that yeah, she yeah. has such an unresolved conflict that can sometimes override the other traits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. And, and at the same time, we're, all, we're also very attracted to uh, by uh, superheroes, you know, who have like just great powers. And so, uh, yeah. you know, human paradoxes. <laughs> well, especially with a singer, mm -hmm. there's something about tragedy that does something so unique to the voice where you know this you've heard the saying you can't sing the blues until you've lived the blues yeah do you think that's true well um yeah i, I suppose that part of it is definitely true uh, after uh, i don't know if you have to go into like extreme uh problems to uh, to be able to sing difficulties but um or the arch of life but uh but it's it's true that if you if you've always lived in into a, a golden bubble probably it's hard to again to be genuine when you talk about uh, disper you know and and i mm -hmm. think that being genuine is really really important to as as a singer to convey what you have to say in in a way that will really move the audience deeply move. Mm -hmm. What do you think of wealthy, pampered, entitled children who use their parents' connections to go into the arts? Well, I don't know. If I mean, if they have these cards in their hands, why wouldn't they play it? You know. And after that, it's, you know, their talent or will make the difference or not, you know, because you, you can have super good connections to open the doors. But if after you have no talents or nothing to say, you won't last forever. For sure. No. So, oh, there are, there are some, some types of art, like, say, classical music, whereas mm -hmm. at least, you know, if you have the means to study from an early age and become proficient. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, you know, I, I guess, you you know, if you show up and do the work, maybe it doesn't yeah. matter where you came from. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I don't know. I don't know. But doesn't it seem like if you have less to lose, you're willing to take more risks? Yes, for sure, probably. I don't know. But but I don't know if, if it's if because you come out from a family an established artistic family would make things easier i think that 
and those of children who have parents who are the known hardest already, they also struggle and struggle with them being themselves, like because people refer to them always as like, oh, she or he is the 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 son or or the or the daughter of someone, you know. So it's hard too. I don't know. I don't know if really in on that earth the very perfect comfy bubble exists. <laughs> well, you, well, you have one. You have one interesting. Uh, I guess artist, maybe singer and actress, who who was the daughter of two very famous people. Do you know who I, I'm talking about? Uh, I'll, no. I'll narrow it down. I'm thinking, was it? Um, who is the guy that sang that really big song in the '60s? Je t'aime. Je t'aime. Je t'aime. What am I thinking of? That very sexy song. Oh, who was it? And and then what? Didn't he have a child with um, Sam Blankies? I should I should have looked this up on Google first. Now I'm just <laughs> blanking it all out. You know they were the, the famous couple of the '60s in France. Really? And uh, who am I thinking? Okay, keep uh, thinking. Uh, just yeah. I'm gonna. Are you thinking of uh, Jeanne Berking and um, Serge Gainsbourg? No? Yes, yes, that's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And di didn't they ha uh, have a daughter? Yes, they do. Who am I thinking of? Um, Charlotte. Charlotte Gainsbourg. Mm -hmm. You see, and I see her as a big risk taker as an artist. Yes, definitely. She's yeah. had an interesting career. So I wondered, did that help her or hurt her to have those parents? Uh, I don't know. We should ask her. <laughs> okay, well, give me her number because I'll put her on the show. I would, but but I, I would definitely re uh, have more researched before she comes on the show. So, because we could we could talk about French culture forever, but that's what's so fun about talking with someone like you. But. Um, <laughs> We're going to wrap up soon and talk more yeah. about Eastern Spring. But before we do, um, tell us where to find you online and what upcoming concerts and performances you're doing. Uh, so online, it's um, there's my website. Very easy to find all the information about everything. <laughs> That's the best. And also the social media's link and everything. So, and my website is just Clotilde, C-L-O-T-I-L-D-E dot art. So very easy. Um, and next shows, uh, it's actually things I'm, I'm, it's not me, the leader. So it's very nice too. And it's uh, one with the choreographer project. And I create the music and I play it live solo. Uh, with him dancing and with another dancer and that's this is gonna happen end of June in France in Paris and um, and also I'll be part of um, uh, of a 15 musician uh, uh, piece uh, wrote by Tristan Massé who's a great composer in France and uh, very uh, contemporary music kind of. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, and this is also be at the end of June in Paris. Well, very good. Um, so how do you plan a tour? How, how do you set up your dates? Um, well, uh, you know, just contacting people and yeah, start one point and then developing, <laughs> I would say. Do you have a lot of favorite venues and nightclubs you like to perform in? Uh, I don't know. No, I, I think I like all the venues, you know. If if they're comfortable, if people are nice and and if the sound is good, you know, then it's it's always fun to play somewhere. Mm -hmm. Very good. See, I, I think I couldn't think of Serge Gainsbourg because I kept mixing him up with Jacques Brel. Oh, okay. who, who, in Googling just now, I realized he is Belgian and not uh, French. French. Yeah, true. But do I do I get a, a free pass by being an American who doesn't know the difference? <laughs> <laughs> I do like Jacques Brel though. He's 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 kind of hip and cool. Do you, do yeah. you find are the modern generations rediscovering these people in France? I don't know. I, I couldn't answer. I think they. I mean Jacques Brel and, and Serge Gainsbourg. I don't think they've ever been forgotten. I think mm -hmm. they've always around somehow they're just there like we have frank sinatra and elvis exactly. presley they're exactly. just always there that's yeah, good exactly. that's good it is i like that okay yeah. so eastern spring this big album you whittled it down from a couple hundred songs down to just a handful uh mm -hmm. what did you learn during this especially when you're scouting out songs did you fall in love with any new styles of music uh well actually uh if we chose also mediterranean uh, countries it's because uh, we were already kind of aware of the music happening there because uh, uh because it's music we already explored separately in the past also it's because it's part of the roots of alexandre and and also, I've been traveling quite a lot to Lebanon when I was younger for a long period of time. So uh, we're not we were not strangers to to these cultures. So um, yeah, no, it was more like you know, it's very always interesting to go through music just just because it's opening your ears and and your mind. Mm hmm. So what parts of that do you think you'll always keep with you and incorporate into your performances? Uh, what part of, of the music you mean? Yeah, from Eastern Spring. Do yeah. you always now want to have a, a Mediterranean touch to all your concerts? Um, uh, well, when we, when we play this album, uh, no, I don't think we focus on, on the uh, on, on the Mediterranean touch because that's not the purpose. It's really to read it, to read this repertoire with our own sound. And, I see. Uh, uh, so it's yeah. more about so it's more about your unique interpretation of the material. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what has the response been so far? Well, you know, it's not out, so it's just uh, 
we just sent it to a few journalists um, mm -hmm. close to us, and and so far they super enthusiastic. So we're looking uh -oh. for that to to spread it out. <laughs> well, I, I'm still waiting to get it sent to me. Of course, you will. You will. <laughs> Especially after talking about it, I'm very anxious to hear it. not just the first single, but the whole album. Yes, 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 yes. You will get it. You will get it. I will send you the link. <gasps> well, so Alexandra, mm -hmm. Alexandre, how's that? Mm -hmm. Alexandre, I'm going to practice mm -hmm. that. Um, his piano playing, which I did get to hear actually on some live performances on YouTube, mm -hmm. not necessarily part of this, you know, same album, but just to hear the two of you together. He has, mm -hmm. a, he has a very bold, I think, piano sound. Oh, interesting. I think he would like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like. I, I really love his way of playing the piano. It's very uh, singular, I, I think. He has really his own way. So I, I when you call... Well, well, <laughs> oh, tell me your theory. Well, you know, he's left-handed. And... Um, and so I think it makes, and I think that left-handed pianists play really differently from right-handed ones. Yeah, and I think it mm -hmm. makes, it, it gives a lot of strength to the bass and medium uh, part of the sound, you know? Because it's the left hand is a powerful one, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, Chris McCarthy is also a very, a uh, strong piano player, you know, with a point of view. How, how does that contrast with with this collaboration? You know, wh what did you get out of, you know, the Madeline and Solomon collaboration that was different than the, uh, you know, pieces of a song with Chris McCarthy? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, they don't—they don't play the piano the same at all. They're really like two different people. And I think that makes the all difference, you know, but they they're both super kind humans and uh, can be really kind and and they both have a very good um, sense of listening to when we perform and um, which makes it very comfortable. but apart and they're two super great musicians and piano player, but a, Apart that, they're just two very different people with different background and and really not the same way of, of making playing the music. So it's very interesting. Well, with your project with Chris, was there more improvisation, and and, and with Alexandra, was it more um, straightforward? You just stuck to the the written song. Uh yeah. Yeah, kind of, we can say that, because, um, yeah, because we cover songs with Madeleine and Salomon, but there's also, like, big parts of, of improvisation into it. It's, it's not only uh, songs, you know, we, we also improvise around a bit. Well, when I was hearing one of your live performances with him, it made me think of Philip Glass. Oh, nice. Are you a fan? <laughs> yeah, are you a fan of, of his style? Yeah, I like it a lot. 
definitely big influence. What's interesting about Philip Glass, he does so much instrumental work, but when he does work with a vocalist, mm -hmm. it's very striking. It really takes you by surprise to hear that kind of an accompaniment with a mm. voice over that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it, it's really pushing the the limits of the voice of, or, I mean, of the use of the voice in in the music. At some point, it was really it's really interesting, like mixing this the singing part and and the talking part, and yeah, very interesting. Yeah, almost turning the voice into a more specific instrument or into an abstraction. Yeah, an abstraction. Yeah, I, I believe so too. You know, I looked him up today. He's eighty-five years old. Wow. Can you believe it? What does it feel like? Some of your idols or influences are getting older into the end of their careers. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. That, but that's the circle of life, I would say. And um, yeah, you know, we can't do anything against it. <laughs> We're aging too. All right. <laughs> Will you allow me one more indulgence? Of course. Okay. See, you're my whole pipeline to French culture. <laughs> so from you, I get it firsthand. Online, I have to go to Google. You're, you're much better than Google. So <laughs> I, I love that little um, pocket of, of French history, recent history. I don't mm -hmm. know, what was it, about 10 years ago? Uh, when you had this amazing first lady named... Carla Bruni, mm -hmm. who I think was the wife of Macron. Oh, uh, no, Sarkozy. Who am I thinking? Oh, no, that, that was uh, Brigitte. So Carla Bruni, who is she married to? Sarkozy. That's right. I'm sorry. How could I? That's a horrible mistake. I'm, <laughs> I'm mixing all my favorites up. That's right. Sarkozy, of course. And I know that um, Bruni is listed as italian french how mm -hmm. does that work was she were her parents french but she was uh, born in italy how did that work i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> i, so really I just, don't know about her life <laughs> what was and i know maybe while she was even still first lady maybe it was right after but she put an album out which seems yeah. so unprecedented first of all who knew that she sang but what is that like for you as a singer and a performer to see yeah. something like, like like that come out? Like out of the blue, Carla Bruni putting out an album. Do you think that represented French culture, Italian culture, pop culture? Was that an event? Was that just a little side note? How did you respond to that? Well, I'm I'm not really listening to what she does, but uh, but she she was a singer before she became a, a, a first lady, so she she that's that was her job, like being a, a model and a singer. So it was not a surprise that she released an album because she released loads of them before, and um, okay. and and then you know like she's doing. I I don't really listen to what she does, so I wouldn't I, I couldn't make a, a statement about our music 
Because mm-hmm. I know, I remember her modeling. She seemed yeah. kind of like the model turned singer. But I, I thought it was actually okay. And what struck me was she did a lot of covers. Yeah. And, and interpreted them in her own way. Mm-hmm. Which, which I guess makes a little bit of a, a connection to you because, you know, you like interpreting, you know, cover mm-hmm. songs in your own way. But to me, I think that was a lot of shape. How dare the first lady put out an album? Um, no, I, I think nobody thought like this, you know, it's, it's because she was a singer before. She's always been a singer and she actually she's she writes. She's a songwriter, too. She writes her song. It's her own lyrics and melodies. So I, I, I don't remember that album. So I, I don't know what she what she recorded. Yeah. But and maybe she recorded a few covers. But most of the time she wrote her own songs. So. And she was she she's always been okay. a singer, so it was not like a shock. It's not like uh, you know, she was just doing her job. So it was easy. I remember uh, she, she she did a cover of the Rolling Stones song oh, "Miss maybe, You." Yeah. Miss mm-hmm. you. Well, I guess to to wrap that part up, don't you think it's just cool when politicians humanize themselves? You know, not not that she was necessarily. I don't know. I guess a politician adjacent as first lady, that's its own special form of politics. But isn't it just exciting when you see people in high office expressing themselves artistically? I think back in the 90s, when he was running for president, Bill Clinton played saxophone on a talk Mm -hmm. show. And people always remember that part of him. And it Mm -hmm. seems like politicians are so cut off from art and music you know we don't think of them as creators in that way isn't mm-hmm. it kind of special that you know maybe that bridges the gap you know when people in high office actually dare to sing or perform you know because it's such a vulnerable thing to do mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's 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 right and but you know i mean to me politicians are just humans you know so of course they can they can do art i mean but but that that's very true that probably i don't know uh, probably it reveals some vulnerabilities in them and and i i suppose it's also a good marketing thing <laughs> for their career i don't know i really don't know <laughs> if she asked you to for your next collaboration cuz i know you're into these duo collaborations mm-hmm. whether it's Madeline and Solomon, or uh, you and Chris, would you ever collaborate with Carla Bruni? Well, I don't know. It would depend on the context and the music, I would say, you know. I can't. It's not a question of people. It's a question of what, 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 this, what this collaboration is meant for and, and what are we talking about and what, what's, what's going to be the music. I mean, for me, it's, it's the driven thing. It's the art not not the the name of the people <laughs> the, the celebrity also uh in everything i've heard of you mm-hmm. you're usually the one vocalist in the equation i'm I'm usually the vocalist that's what you said well the one vocalist i see you uh performing with you know piano players mm-hmm. but it seems like you like to be the the one person singing 
Well, no, it's just that it happened so, you know, but uh, for example, the the concert I will give end of June for this project of my friend, we're four singers on it, so, no, it's just depending, but it's true that uh, the, this, the, the creation this past times were, you know, I, again, I, I, I tell you, it's not, I'm not driven by, uh, I'm, I'm not thinking of, uh, you know, I, I just create things because I want to talk about something and art is for me a way to talk about subjects, you know, and share with the world um, some of my thoughts. So I'm, I'm, that's the only thing that is, is driving my, my creativity. And I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm going to do a thing where I'm just a vocalist or, or, or to the contrary, I will do a duo because it's going to sell more. I don't know. It's, you know, it's just happens. It happens. <laughs> See, what would be really cool is to discover that someone like Carla Bruni is a fan of yours, you know? <laughs> and isn't that cool when you put out music and records? Do you ever get that, like, out of the blue? You'll get an email from someone who goes, oh, I really love that album, and it's someone you admire. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Yes, it, ha it happens. But it, it doesn't have to be someone famous or I don't know mm -hmm. I mean I, I I don't think I would really care that Carla really loves my album just because not not I mean that would be nice but not because she's Carla Bruni like I mean I don't care I don't know her so I mean you know I I just I prefer I prefer to get to to discover that someone I, I really appreciate uh, and that I know deeply in my heart uh, um, that appreciate my album like I mean if Meredith Monk is, is sending me greetings and saying like oh I love your album that would mean a lot <laughs> much more than Calabrini I mean I don't care about Calabrini you know <laughs> I don't know her she's she's not part of my life and she's and she's not a, a singer like has been inspiring me in my in in my life you know she's great she does her stuff but you know that's it well, we live in such a fame-obsessed world, you know, where yeah. a lot of people are famous not for a skill or a talent, but just mm -hmm. for being famous. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, again, I, 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 that's not what's driven. Yeah, that's that's not what's 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 what makes me create things. I, I well, talk about it, like you know when that that's why I, I do my own stuff by myself and I produce everything it's to keep this freedom and and because I don't don't really care about you know well leader <laughs> exactly well the last thing I want to ask about uh, mm -hmm. after you release Eastern Spring and do some touring are mm -hmm. you going to get back into more film work uh well I don't know I would love to, but it it needs a lot of time and money, so it will depend. But I would love to. Mm -hmm. I would love to. So I have IDs in the drawers, and we'll see if they if they can get out. <laughs> when you did, and I saw it on your website, and I don't know if it was the full project or a trailer or just a piece of it. It was called, I think it was XXY. Yeah, yeah, true. It's the trailer that you saw. Yeah. Now, when when did that come out? Um, twenty eighteen. Okay. 
2018. And you uh, featured a lot of different women. You uh, filmed them against these spectacular landscapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it, was, it was very beautiful. Um, what was the response to that? And, you know, did that play film festivals? What did you yeah. do with that film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been, yes, it has been played in in loads of uh, film festivals and and got some some prizes and so yeah, it was very very nice response to it. And what was the intent of that film? Well, it's, it was just um, a reflection about feminine and womanhood and yeah, what what does it mean to um, express your feminine side as a woman can we express it fully uh, what are the consequences in our women's life nowadays all, all those kind of reflections and questions mm -hmm. well it seems like even though it's film that fits in with your musical work because you do have this whole thread throughout your work of feminism, of mm -hmm. just uh, women expressing themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's um, yeah, it's a subject I've been working on for several years now, and through different creations and and different um, creative aspects. Yeah, that's true. Where did you film some of those scenes? Because the, the, I was trying to figure out where is this landscape, whether it was by the water or these big, you know, mountains and hills. Mm. Well, it's been filmed in different countries. So it's been filmed in California, actually, in, um, in Chicago, in Iceland and in France. Mm -hmm. And when you when you set out to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, did you think it would become what it became? Oh, uh, no, no, because again, that's exactly what I was saying just just before. You know, I'm not um, I'm I'm not driven by what it's gonna become. It's just like I need to to get this this thing out of me. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I'm concerned with when I'm creating something. And, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, I really don't think of uh, how, how it will bloom. And I think about it later, I think, you know, when it's out and yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that would be great to have it seen and, and blah, 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 you know? What did you think of Iceland? Uh, in which ways? You mean geography? The, 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 the geography, the people, you know, Iceland, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, at least 10 years ago, you know, had a, a woman um, prime minister and, you know, uh, Iceland is held up as being very high on women's rights, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you feel a lot of camaraderie there with the people? I actually, to be honest, we didn't share much with the people because we were on a very tight schedule because of very low budget. <laughs> so uh, we 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 had just a few days to film everything with the dancers, and so we we've been just you know driving to the spots that I scouted and 
and just filming and then sleep because it was exhausting, it was cold. So I didn't really share with people. I, I would love to return and, and have the opportunity to share with these great people, for sure. And as you go on this tour, are you going to film it? Do you always, you know, get video of your concerts? Um, yes, I do get videos of the concerts, but I don't necessarily do them myself. It's more like just it happens, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think you might do something, maybe a little documentary or just behind the scenes of Eastern Spring? Mm, I don't know. We didn't really plan it. We'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Well, like yeah. you said, you have to leave a little mystery and not explain yeah. too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's important. I mean, we, we're so much showing, we're showing up so much, so many things through social media as all the time. You know, it's, it's nice also to keep up a bit of mystery. I know, which is hard to keep when you have, a nosy American asking you all these questions. <laughs> no, it's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I want to give you the last word, Clotilde. Okay. And um, here's here's what I'll ask you, and, and you can give your final thoughts on this. Okay. You, you've accomplished so much. You've really set yourself apart with your themes and just your, your collaborations. Mm -hmm. But But I want to know what inspires you now and uh what are you going to do maybe that's radically different in the next few years what's going to surprise us well if i tell you that it's not going to be a surprise <laughs> see how sneaky i am trying to get information out of you <laughs> but no oh, no but here, here's here's a, another slant you know people always talk about the artist's art but just share something in your personal life or just the fun things you like to do outside of the studio and recording and performing just in your personal life you know what are some of your goals like do you want to plant a garden are there places you want to travel just what's the fun stuff you want to do in the next few years oh uh, well i don't know because you know i mean like creation is really part of my life and I'm, I'm i'm a bit of a monk <laughs> Kind of, you know. <laughs> so and and kind of monomaniac and um, well, there, there's gonna be super great projects coming on, and there will be totally different. But I'm not gonna say what because it's too it's it's too too soon to to, to talk about it and and put it out now. Um, but but no, I I think that you know I I just hope I can. I can keep on doing what I do forever. That would be the best. And how about uh, where's your favorite place to travel to? Uh, well, uh, I would say I love to go to New York. It was really a blast. I love this city. Really, it's really uh, re reinvigorating for me. <laughs> and and also and also I go to Burkina Faso very often because my my love lives there so very good well her name is clotilde the current project is with madeline and uh, salomon uh, alexandra sada and they're 
upcoming single being released on June 15th is Mafash Le mm -hmm. from the album Eastern Spring, which is coming out on June 30th. Uh, Clotilde, thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, you know, the second time in just a couple months, I feel like I'm learning so much about you and, and just so impressed by your career. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for sharing. It's always great, great pleasure. <laughs> and, and I'm going to make a prediction that in a few years, you're going to surprise us and do, do a collaboration with Carla Bruni and Charlotte Gainsbourg. Okay. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna form a, a super girl group. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'll let you know if this happens. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much and take care. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>